Thank you for joining us for the Cross Loganville podcast as we continue our way through the book of James. Let's dive into this James piece here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would guide us now for your glory. I pray that every guy and gal in this room, Father, I pray that they would press into you. I pray that their perspective would be that I'm here to know God. I'm here to grow in my relationship with the Lord. I'm here to mature in my faith. Lord, I'm here because you've placed me here for your enjoyment. And so, Father, I pray that we would enjoy your presence as we worship you in song, as we worship you in word, as we worship you in fellowship with one another. I pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would have total freedom to permeate and transform each heart in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 1, we pick up today in verse 18, and as we've studied through, uh, Benji broke down the temptation piece last week, Uh, very, very powerful piece, let no one say when he's being tempted, he's being tempted by God, God tempts no one, Uh, each of us are tempted when because of our own lust, we start to gravitate down that path, sin takes root, it leads to death. Listen to what James says, picking it up in verse 18. I love this passage here. God chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. Now, if you read right before, it says every good and perfect gift comes from God. The true word of God is a good and perfect gift. He goes on to say, and we out of all of the creation that we see, We became his prized possession. The Amplified Bible reads, it was God's own idea to give birth to us as his children by the word of truth so that we would be set apart, that we would be sanctified, that we would be made holy for his divine purpose. So as I look at each and every one of you today, I can tell you this, that God If you've repented, if you've responded to the gospel, God has given to you his true word. And his true word comes in two forms. It comes in the form of logos, meaning the incarnate Christ, Christ revealed in flesh. And it's come to us in rhema, meaning the sayings of God, what we believe to be the 66 canonized books that we call the Bible. God has given us his true word. And we are his prized possession. That's the reason, again, I I would encourage you to really consider and think this way, that if God had a wallet, your picture would be in it. He's crazy about you. He wants to show you off. You are his prized possession. And as his prized possession, Todd, we're called to walk holy, sanctified, set apart, and to his glory, not to live for our flesh, not to live for us, but God has placed us here that we would live sanctified lives. Now, God's given us his true word. And we today, we live in a world that is saturated with so much talk and so many words. And every person you meet has got a statement or an opinion on something. There is so much insanity. There is so much deceit. There's so much misguided communication. And you know as well as I do 
that people will come to you and go, hey, did you hear what Biden said? Did you hear what Trump said? Did you hear what Fauci said? Did you hear what CNN said? Did you hear what Fox News said? Did you hear what? Who cares? The question is, did you hear what Jesus said? And I think the problem of our culture today, and James is so relevant, is that we continue to empower the wrong voices. We empower fallacious voices. We empower people that are fallen. God's given us his true word. The Bible is amazing. The Bible is anointed. The Bible is God-breathed. It is God's word. And it promises us peace and hope and joy and comfort and salvation and forgiveness. And, and it just promises us so many things. Why would I empower or listen to anyone else's voice? Why? But having access to the Bible, and we all have access to the Bible today, just because we have access to the Bible doesn't mean that we're a student of the teacher and his teachings. We can go into bookstores. There's Bibles. We can go into hotel rooms, open a drawer. There's a Bible. We can pull out our smartphone, download the YouVersion Bible app. You can get the Bible in any language today. I looked at it the other day. Do you realize that even on your YouVersion Bible app, there's over 60 English translations of the Bible. It's not that we don't have access to it. We're just not a student of the teacher and his teachings. We don't pay attention to it. We've got them laid all over the place. And James is emphasizing this. Hey, because God has given you his true word, because you're his prized possession, shh, shh, be quick. To listen, be slow to speak, be, be slow to get angry. He goes on to say, your anger will never, and it can't make right things with God. Your anger is not going to lead to righteousness with God. Your anger is not going to make things right with God. So quit getting angry because... Things are not going your way, and quit talking so much and shut up and listen and, 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 and hear what God says. He goes on to say, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts. The message that God has planted in our hearts is strong enough to save our souls. Remember, it's a message to obey not just the message to listen to. If you don't obey it, you're fooling yourself. Prove yourselves to be doers of the word, not just someone who hears it. For if you listen and don't obey, it's like looking at your face in the mirror and walking away and forgetting what you look like. But, 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 but if you look carefully into God's law, his word, his perfect standard, the law that will set you free. 
But if you will look at it and if you will do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. But, but, and then. That's, what, that's the transition right here, right? But you got to look carefully at it and, and, and you got to do what it says, then, then God will bless you. Verse 25, when you study this passage here, Verse 25 in this passage really is the key, and it gives us three uh, keys, if you will, to, to walking in freedom and to walking in the blessings of God. I want to break this down for you. This, this, this passage right here, years and years and years ago, as a young believer, God used this to set me on the path of freedom. Let me give you three thoughts here. You've got to be willing to receive the word. He says there in verse 21, humbly accept the message. Humbly accept the message that God has planted in your hearts. The word accept, when you study it, is a a hospitality term. And it means to welcome home. It means to come on in. So when you pick up the word of God, I I would encourage you, as soon as you pick it up and you start to read it and study it and ponder it, you should just stop and pray, hey, Lord, as I, as I pick up your word, your true word that you've given to me, your prized possession, I just want to say, come on in. Take up a chair here at the table. Dine with me. You're welcome here. That's the language that James uses. He goes, you've got to let the word that's planted in you. So he uses this, uh, this phrase as if it's a seed that's planted that is to grow. Remember Jesus even, even told the parable. He said, you know, the sower went out to sow seed. The seed represents the word. And then he said, as he scattered this seed, the seed fell on four different types of soil. He said the first seed fell on this hard path. That's a hard, calloused heart. Don't want to hear it. He, he goes, in, no, it wouldn't grow. It wouldn't happen. He, he said the next one fell on this rocky soil. He said, you know, it got excited for a little bit of time, and it sprung up, but it didn't have no root system, so it, it died. He said, and then the seed that fell over there amongst the thorns, it, it started taking root, but the worries of the world choked it out. He said, and some of that seed fell on good soil, and it produced 30 and 60 and a, and a hundredfold. And he's, he's saying here in this text, let the word of God that God is desiring to plant in you take root so that you become good soil. What kind of soil are you? Are you hard soil or are you, are you just rocky? I, I, I mean, you know, you, you, you don't have any root system in you. You've been around the church culture for a while, but you ain't got no roots. Or are you flooded with worry? What kind of soil are you? Are you good soil? And, 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 and that's what he's saying here. Do you realize you can take two seeds, same identical seeds, and put them in two different places and get two different crops and two different results? But you know, you know what the issue is? You know what the issue is? The issue is not the seed. The issue is the soil, and the soil is the condition of our hearts. There's people that come in here week after week, month after month, 
and you'll see one take off, Richard, and start to grow and flourish because the soil of the heart got right, and you see another one stuck for days and weeks and months and years because they're allowing the things of the world or flesh patterns to choke out the seed. So you got to ask the question, what? What, what, what do I need to do, or how do I get the soil of my heart right? I mean, that, that would be the question I would ask, right? If, I, if, if, if I'm allowing the worries of the world, or I've still got this hard heart, I, it's like, how do I get the, my heart right? James tells us it's amazing, and I love it. Let me give you four points right here in chapter one. He, he goes, you want to get your soil right? Then shut your mouth and listen. Right out of the gate. You know, I told you a lot of writers ease into their topics. Not James, bam. He goes, be quick to listen. Shut your mouth. Just hush. And, and did you know that most of our problems are caused not because we listen well, but because we talk too much? <laughs> just, just, just. And the acrostic that I've used over the years is lips, L-I-P-S. I would write it down, L-I-P-S. You can practice this in marriage, in friendship, in parenting. L, listen, what's going on? I, inquire, ask a few questions. What do you mean by that? So, so, so tell, me what you, tell me what you mean. I'm gonna inquire. P, process what they're saying. Then share. Most of us, when we sit down, we don't care to understand. We're just going to bully our way through to make sure that we're understood. And we go, what? Stop it. Do you realize that when you listen, this is crazy. When you listen, your blood pressure lowers. Do you realize that when you talk, and especially when you're talking when you're mad, your blood pressure rises? I have people all the time going, well, I got high blood pressure. I'm like, no, you got high talk pressure. You don't have to shut up. You ever think about that? Your blood pressure when you're sitting there going, man, how are you doing? How's your day? And you breathe and you listen, you lower your blood pressure. But you realize that when anything happens that you can't control and you start to get worked up and you usually go toward anger, whew, I got blood pressure issues. I need to go see the doctor. No, you got talk pressure issues and you need to get on your knees and repent. You don't need a blue pill. You need repentance. The second thing he says is sit down and chill. Be slow to get angry. You, you know what I've learned over the years? This is crazy. People will communicate with you more when you are relaxed. People aren't going to share a whole lot with you when you're all worked up. I mean, Dallas, when we're uptight and worked up, you, you, you know why? It's because we don't hear very well when we're mad when we're angry, when we are bitter, when we've got resentment, when we've got unforgiveness, 
You, you realize you don't hear well when that's happening? Do you, do you not realize that bitterness is a barrier in being able to hear from God? I have people tell me this, Eddie. They'll go, well, I just don't know what's going on, but I just don't feel like God ever speaks to me. The problem's not the seed. The problem's the soil. God's speaking. The problem is we allow things to step in the way between us and God that becomes a barrier like bitterness, like resentment, like unforgiveness, and, and we don't hear. And you can't hear from God if you're housing bitterness. I, I've thought about this oftentimes. When you come to church, even on a Sunday morning, what is your emotional state when you come here? Do you, do you get in the car and cruise over here? Are you calm? Or are you conflicted? I, I mean, do you get up too late and start to rush through and oh, we got to get to church? And start yelling at everybody, and you raise their blood pressure too. And by the time you get here, you're all conflicted. Or do you come in here calm? How's your life? And, and I'm telling you right now, one of the things for me, and I'm not that smart. I'm not, I'm not. I'm just a dumb sheep following Jesus. But one of the things that helps me is like, why don't you get up earlier where you can get all this stuff done that you think you might need to get done, and you've got plenty of time to re-enter. Then I'm not saying it's like this is a spiritual statement. It's just reality. My buddy Richard and I were talking. He's like, how's your, how's your week? And I'm like, well, my week was just like yours because it basically came down to, am I going to trust God with what I got going on? And your week came down to, am I going to trust God with what I got going on? And your week, and your week, and your week was the same kind of week that I had it just had different colors in it. But I'm like, man, all right, I got up at 4.45. All right, got some stuff I want to do, right? And Hannah sends me, she's, I don't know women, I need help. I don't know how to navigate this one. But Hannah sends me uh, photos yesterday off of her app of telling me what day her plants, and she's got about 20 of them, these plants here need to be watered today, Dad, but make sure you don't give this one, this one too much. I, I can't, but I have to get up early to go, I gotta work out, I'm gonna get a little blood flow, but I gotta water all these stinking plants, and none of them I can walk over and eat off of, they're just plants. But they're like, well, it helps the air quality and you're going to breathe better. Oh, manipulate me again. But, but you have to, but don't you have to like get up? I got some stuff I got to do. And I got to be able to ease into it. You ever see the procrastinators? Well, I'm going to hit that snooze one more time and one more time. And, 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 and well, I, I got to rush now. No, no, no. Get your butt in bed. Chill. Get some rest and ease into it. What's your, what's your attitude like when you go through the day? And James says a third thing. Hey, hey you, you want the seed to be able to penetrate the soil? Get rid of all that filth and evil in your lives. That's what he says. This is absolutely mind-blowing to me. Chad, I love studying this. The word he uses for filth. Get rid of all the filth. It translates into English into 
earwax. You can't hear because you got all this earwax. You got all these issues going on in your ears. My buddy Clint and I were talking. Something's going on with the ear, and it's like, man, I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with my ear. And, and, he, and he made this statement. It even bothers me and hurts me to chew at times. Do you realize you can't chew into the Word of God? If you've got earwax, you can't bite into and enjoy God's Word until you get rid of some of the filth. It blocks your ability to hear from God. Oh, he's like, man, I want to speak to you. I, I, I want you to hear from me. I want you to know I'm still talking. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not that I've changed. It's that you're not in a place to hear from me. Get rid of all the filth. Get rid of all the garbage. Get, get rid of all those bad habits. Man, you clean it up. It's like... Calm down, chill, <laughs> confess that, let it go, repent. And then he says, then open your heart up to the truth. Then humbly accept a welcome home. Come on in. The word, the truth, be teachable. Be, be submissive to the Lord. Lord, I'm willing for you to change me ever how you want to change me. Come on in. Come on in. So, so we need to receive the word. Anybody else having fun in here today or is it just me? I mean, maybe being locked up in the hospital and sitting in there with my dad and just sitting in the living room, Neil, and just kind of going through all this stuff, brother, and Sleeping in a bed by myself. Come on. I'm like, I, I'm just ready to have fun today. This word is so powerful. Y'all have fun with me. Or at least make me think you are. <laughs> so, so you receive it, then you got to reflect on it. He goes, if you just listen to the word and you don't obey it, it's like looking at your face in a mirror and doing nothing to improve your appearance. Do I have a booger there? Well, just leave it alone. I'm not going to do anything about it. Do I have broccoli in my teeth? Then do something about it. He goes, when you look and you don't do anything about it, it doesn't make sense. He goes, you go away, you forget. God's word, that's what he's saying right here. God's word is like a mirror. And the purpose of the mirror is to reveal and evaluate. Oh, look at you. What good is it to look if you're not going to do anything about it? That's the reason I just went ahead and cut it all off because I'm like, I was tired of looking like Bozo or looking like Gallagher or whoever. I'm like, you got to get rid of that stuff, dude. If you had Earl LeGrand hair, you could stay with it. Earl's got good hair. Just, what are you going to do about your hair? You can't fix it. You can't just cut it off. What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with what you see? Look at the contrast he makes. When you look at the mirror, it reveals what's going on on the outside. But when you look at the word, it reveals what's going on on the inside. It, it reveals what's going on on the inside. And, and the story is told of Queen Elizabeth, who was very beautiful in her youth, 
But as she aged, she mandated that every mirror in Buckingham Palace be removed because she couldn't stand the fact that she was getting old. Just get rid of it. And a lot of people neglect the word of God because it reveals what's going on in our hearts. The word reveals the heart of God, but the word will reveal us. And I have people say, I just don't read the Bible. No, it's because it's convicting. It'll show you what's going on in the inside. And I think the reason a lot of people neglect the word is they don't want to see what's going on on the inside. And it's a lot easier to read a quick devotional instead of just getting into the word. Lord, show me my heart. Change my heart. Clean me up. And when you spend time with the Lord and you ask him to do that, watch him. So see, here's my three R's my buddy Walter taught me. This, is, this really did help me so much, even as I think about James, in the reflection part. You got to read it. You got to research it. You got to remember it. You got to read it. The man who looks carefully and intently at the perfect law or God's word. Did you know that the word look in the Greek, it means to stop. It means to stoop down. It means to gaze in and to look intently. It is the same word that is used when Peter arrived at the tomb on that glorious Easter morning. The scripture says when he got there, he stooped down and he gazed in and he was totally evaluating thoroughly what that scene looked like. So, so getting into the word, if you're going to look intently, it means that you're going to have to stop what you're doing. You're going to have to stoop down and humble yourself. You're going to have to gaze into it. i got to look and see what it's saying. And then I've got to apply it. I, I, I want to investigate it, but I want to apply it. And you know human nature is almost impossible for you and I to walk by a mirror and not look at ourselves. But when we do that, we usually just glance at it. We don't gaze at it. And he's saying, gaze into the word. Don't just glance and keep walking. Stop. Look at it. Allow the word to expose you. When you start to gaze into it, here's some questions I wrote down. I'm gazing, I'm looking intently into, I'm stopped, I'm stooped down. I'm, I'm, I'm investigating your word, God. Is there a command God is wanting me to obey right here? Is there an attitude that God is wanting to change in me as I read this? Is there a sin in my life that I'm needing to confess thoroughly right now? Is there a promise that God has laid out for me to claim right here? There's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. So when you're, when you're reflecting by reading, you're asking these questions. Is there a truth I need to believe? Is there a prayer I need to pray you, you see what I'm saying? When you look and you gaze, you're asking these questions. Is there sin in my life that's causing all this earwax and filth and garbage that I got to deal with early? 
Is there a promise? Praise the Lord, I got to claim this promise here to, to walk in freedom. Then after you read it and you ask these kind of questions, you research it. He says, keep looking steadily. Keep looking carefully into God's perfect law. And the Bible calls this, this looking steadily and carefully, the Bible calls it meditation. Meditation is when you stop and you think about something deeply and thoroughly from a Christ-centered view. People go, I don't, I don't know how to do meditation. Do you know how to worry? Worry is when you take a negative thought and you play it over and over and over throughout the day. We call that worry. Meditation is when we take a God thought, a God truth, a God principle, and we think about that over and over and over throughout the day. That's called meditation. So why, if God's given us his true word, and to get all the opinions and lies that we hear from the world, why wouldn't we take God's word and meditate on it? Why would we do that? Hey, I want you to meditate on this. I want you to, to think deeply about this. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, if continue in it, stay in it, stoop, stare, gaze. Oh. He goes, uh, if you continue in my word. You're my disciples, and I promise to bless you if you do what it says. And, and, and I've heard so many different word pictures regarding uh, this whole concept of meditation, but probably my favorite is that of a drippy faucet. My mentor, Crawford Lorich, shared this years ago. He said, meditation is like a drippy faucet. We've all had them, right? where you're laying in bed and you hear that sink in the bathroom or the kitchen and about every 30 seconds or a minute, all of a sudden you just are laying there and you're about to doze and you hear, what's happening? And you start to doze again and you hear, meditation is when you're going through the day and no matter whether you're at work or whether you're starting to have some tension or whatever, and it's like every 45 seconds to a minute, Wherever you're at, you hear, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Do not fear, for the Lord your God is with you. All of a sudden, you keep walking, you hear, be anxious about nothing, bro. But it's, med it's meditating. It's letting the faucet just. And it's just dripping the word that I've hidden in my heart so that I will not sin against him. He goes, you gotta read it, but why don't you go ahead and research it and let it become one and then remember it. Listen to what he says. Not forgetting what he's heard. Not forgetting. So developing the habit of memorizing scripture is one of the greatest disciplines that you will have. I promise you I started this back in 1985 and I'm still memorizing all the time. Why? Because it, it, it is a discipline and a practice that I know is essential for doing life. Because people, even like Benji said last week, people will oftentimes, like Satan, they will use a verse out of context and they will manipulate it. And when you know what the word says in its context, because you've been, and you go, oh, that's not what Jesus said. Uh, no, 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 that's not what Jesus said. Hide it, memorize it. 
I mean, reality is we, we remember what's important to us anyway. But taking notes and writing things down, the truth is we forget about 95% of things that are said in context within about 72 hours. So that's the reason I believe that a thought that cannot be placed immediately will be lost eventually. So when you're spending time, instead of trying to read the Bible through in a year and you're doing three or four chapters, you take this one book like the book of James and we're only dealing with about six verses here this week and you spend the entire week combing through it, gazing, stooping down and writing them out and you go, I've memorized this because I'm not trying to bite off more than I can chew. So you read it. You research it. You remember it. Right? I'm receiving it. I'm reflecting on it. Here's the next one. Then you got to respond to it. What's the purpose of going through that if you're not going to respond? He says, remember, it's a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't obey it, You're fooling yourselves. Prove yourselves to be a doer and not just somebody that hears it. What are you saying? Practice it. Apply it. Enjoy it. Employ it. The test of maturity in our walk is not Bible knowledge. It's Bible practice. There's a lot of people who have been around church for a long time that's got knowledge. But as Howard Hendricks, the old prof from Dallas years ago said, he goes, we don't need more orthodoxy. We need more orthopraxy. And I'm like, that's what we need. We don't need more great doctrine. Doctrine is awesome. We need to practice it. So the question is this. Here's the question. What am I doing with what I already know? I mean, that's the question. What am I doing with what I already know? And there's a lot of us that are continuing to live in sin. And we've got all this earwax going on. And we can't hear from God. And God is desiring to transform us. But we got this earwax. It's not that we need more knowledge. We need to practice what we say we already know. So what are you doing with what you already know? If you want to be blessed, then do it. Prove yourself to be a doer of the word. And if I had to write a definition, Heather, of maturity, this is my working definition of maturity or a mature believer. You ready? This is deep. A doer of the word. What's your definition of being spiritually mature? Being a doer of the word. What is your definition of being immature? Not being a doer of the word. James says, I'm telling you, prove yourself to be a doer. Let me close. Here's what we know. This is the way he closes this out. He goes, do you realize that a doer of the word, three things, A doer of the word has a controlled mouth. If you claim to be religious but cannot control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. We use that phrase all the time. Hey, man, don't fool yourself. Don't kid yourself. He goes, if you claim that you are like really religious and tapped into the Lord and you can't control your mouth and your tongue, you're fooling yourself. And then he says this, 
Your religion is worthless. What are you saying? He goes, if you can't control your mouth, you're not mature. Well, I just say whatever comes to my mind. You need to allow the Lord to transform your mind. So he goes, do you realize the doer of the word? We'll get more into this into James 3. He controls his mouth. Two, he has a compassionate heart. He says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God. It means that we care about orphans and widows. You know what he's saying? It means you help those that need help. You help those that are helpless. You care about the hurting. He goes, you know what the signs of a mature believer is their, their hearts care about other people. They're not consumed with themselves. They serve. They give. They live a life of generosity. He goes, you know, that's a doer of the word. And then the third thing he says is they have a clean mind. Pure and lasting religion means that we refuse to allow the world to corrupt us. A doer of the word knows how to control his mouth. Doer of the word, he, he, he is very shrewd and a good steward of his mind and his thoughts. A doer of the word, he's got a compassionate heart. Are you a doer of the word? Here's my clothes. This is it. This is the, the only question I know to ask. What are you going to do about what you already know? You hear people say that? Well, I'm just praying that the Lord would give me a new word. What did you do with the last one? Why would he want to give you a new word when you haven't acted on what he told you to do already? Commands. Go into the world and make disciples. I don't like people. <laughs> Live a generous life. Haven't I shown you? Test me. I'll open up the floodgates if you'll learn to tithe plus. It's my money. Why is God going to give you a new word when you don't even obey the ABCs? If you're standing there at the altar and remember, you remember that you got all this tension with somebody else, go get it right. Go clean up that relationship and then come and pray and offer to me. Not going to do it. How is he going to give you a new word? So what are you going to do with what you claim you already know. 